First Chronicles chapter number four. We've uh, we looked at this uh, Sunday night, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth to that. There's three things that we're going to see out of this prayer. First of all, we're going to see a personal note. And then we're going to see a proper attitude. And thirdly, we're going to see a powerful purpose. So reading uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse number 9, and it says, And Jabez uh, was more honorable than his uh, brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, uh, saying, Because I have him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, uh, saying, O Lord, thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thou uh, hand might be with me, and that thou uh, wouldest uh, keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me, and... God granted him that which he had requested. I don't know about you, but when I pray, those are words that I like to hear. And God granted what he requested. Four things, uh, three things very quickly tonight as we look at this prayer. Uh, first of all, we look at a personal note. Notice that Jabez is praying for himself. And then we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We've already talked about that. Uh, and we uh, made mention of that it's okay uh, for us to pray for ourselves. So this prayer was a personal prayer. It was a prayer that Jabez prayed and he was praying with his interest in mind. But I also want you to know uh, that the Bible is quite clear uh, that uh, he is... Name signifies that he had a past. Now, I've already talked about it. Jabez, the name means he caused pain. That's the literal meaning of that. Can you imagine when he's going around and uh, going to school and all that, uh, he, people would make fun of his name. I, I just can see that happening. Oh, they, they would say things like, well, there, here comes a pain. Matter of fact, your name may not be Jabez, but that's probably what they've said about some of you. When they see you coming, here comes a pain. And we're not going to discuss where you're a pain at or anything like that. But, but, but we understand that he could easily have uh, been distracted. But what I want to show tonight is that when Jabez is praying, that it's a personal prayer, uh, that he's, uh, he's praying for himself. And he's praying for himself because he realized that he had a past. His name signified what he was. His name uh, everybody knew about. His mother called him. She says, I'm going to call him Jabez because he caused me much sorrow. I started thinking about this and I couldn't help but think too many people are letting their past dictate their future. Too many churches are letting their past dictate their future. Brother Glenn can... Uh, agree with me, I believe, that we've been in churches where all they talk about was what happened in 1954. Right. They had a great revival. 
Well, praise God. 50 people got saved. Well, praise God. But they haven't done anything since then. And they, their past has dictated how they're operating today. But we also see that you can be guilty of letting a positive past dictate how you operate in the future. But we see there's those who have had a negative past. I, I'm, I'm talking to someone here tonight that your past has been very negative. Maybe you were uh, addicted to uh, alcohol or drugs. Uh, we could go on through the list, but because of where you were raised, and you was raised up in a family where uh, the, there was a vicious cycle of alcoholism or just to go ahead and, and put the sin that's involved there. And it seemed like you would never be able to break that cycle. It was almost like you were destined. I've heard people even say that it's just destiny for me to be like I am today. I'm telling Telling you the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive your sins, past, present, and future. Don't let your past dictate how you're going to live for God in the future. And so we see the past, but uh, we see in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, Paul says it like this, paraphrasing. He says, I have not apprehended. He's talking about a runner in a race. And he's describing this, uh, and he says, I have not uh, apprehended. I have not arrived. But he says, that has not stopped me. See, too many people within the church today that they started off well, but they stumbled along the way. And because of that stumbling, they just went ahead and threw their hands up and says, well, he just wasn't meant for me to be serving him. Or maybe you were serving and you had some um, suffering come into your life. Maybe you had some ridicule come into your life. Maybe you had some opposition come into your life and you just went ahead and threw your eyes, hands up and said, I thought serving God would be easy. And you have allowed that to dictate what you're doing for him now. He says, Paul says, I've not apprehended. He says, I, I, I haven't arrived yet, but this one thing I do know, leaving those things that are behind me, I press forward towards the high calling of Jesus Christ. But we also see the psalmist in 28 uh, verse number 9 uh, where he made it personal. The psalmist was making his prayer uh, personal as well. And he went and he talked uh, and paraphrasing here, he says, first the thing you'll notice in that prayer is that he asked for salvation for his people or for those people. Now when the psalmist was saying those people, he was including himself. I don't know about you tonight, but I think it's a pretty good prayer for you to pray for salvation. Matter of fact, for a lost person, that's the only prayer God will attend to when you call upon Him for salvation. See, what, 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 uh, we hear people saying, well, it's a prayer. I, I hear it all the time, praying, 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 praying. Well, listen, the Bible and the Bible's quite clear. How can he hear from someone that he has no relationship with? So if you're, going, if you're here tonight and you're lost, the only prayer he will hear from you tonight is when you call upon his wonderful sweet name and ask him to come into your heart and to save you. 
But the psalmist goes on. He says not only about salvation for them, but he says, and bless our inheritance. Uh, I talked about this earlier today, and I talked about an inheritance, and you've heard me say it, and I'll say it again, but my children understand there ain't no inheritance, okay? They ain't getting nothing. And, and, and so, but an inheritance, usually you do not reap the benefits until someone dies. Where the inheritance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ they have been enacted because he did die. He died for your sins and he died for my sins. And because he died for our sins, we now have access to eternal life and we have been set free because of his death. And one day we will get our inheritance. But I got good news for you. You can get some of that inheritance while you're down here. There are some benefits of knowing Jesus Christ down here. One of the things that I've come to realize that I have an inheritance of peace. We live in a world, do we not? You flip on the TV. We got North Korea, uh, that no telling what's going to happen there. You'll go and in Israel, they're having problems with Gaza. You have problems in Iran. You look all, there, there's, it could, at any moment, things could explode and, and things could get, oh, oh, no telling what could happen there. We have a hotbed everywhere you turn. I'm telling you, everybody's looking for peace, but you'll never have trouble peace until you meet the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, uh, that is an inheritance, joy. Now, the world uh, can be happy. Uh, I watched at 11 o'clock, New Year's Eve. New York, they dropped the ball. I don't know why I watched that silly thing, but I, I was watching it, and, uh, and they were getting all, I mean, those people were nuts. But being in the cold weather like that, but said, well, they dropped the ball. note in Nashville. I didn't stay up to 12. 11 o'clock as far as I could go. But I looked at that and everybody had a happy face on. They were cheering and all that kind of thing. But the next morning, they weren't so happy. See, happiness, it depends upon your circumstances but real joy doesn't depend upon your circumstances. It depends on what Jesus Christ has done for you. See, that's the inheritance that we have. And so he, he says, and he's praying. But notice also in that prayer in Psalms 28, he said something about a shepherd. He says, uh, he's praying for a shepherd. Now, I could be wrong, and uh, I, I guess I'll get corrected. Many times we call our pastors our shepherds. I like to use the term under shepherd. The reason why I use the word under shepherd is because there's only one good shepherd. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd. And so we see the psalmist in Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In the Hebrew it means because he is my shepherd, I have need of nothing because he takes care of everything. And so here uh, we see that uh, he prays uh, for inheritance. He's, he's praying uh, for salvation. He's praying for a shepherd. But also, he's also praying for one who will bear them up. This year of 2018, if we knew what was going to come our way, we would probably want to cower and get under the pew. We're going to have some heartache coming this next year. You're going to have some difficulties coming to you this year. 
But I got news for you. You might not be able to bear it up, but there's one who can take the load off of you. Jesus himself said, Come who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so here we see a personal prayer. It's okay to be praying for yourself. But notice also that we see the proper attitude. Now we've already talked about that. We're going to run through that. The proper attitude. First of all, the prayer that was prayed was an earnest prayer. We looked at the Bible says, The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to be intentional with our praying this year of 2018. We need to be intense in our praying in this year of 2018. We need to have the proper attitude. We need to go ahead, make a commitment right now that I'm going to be intentional in my praying this year. But then he goes on, he says that he had to be humbled. We need to be humbled when we pray. We need to realize that in and ourselves we can do absolutely nothing. But with Him in us, Him in abiding in us, we can do wonderful things. We're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. But then we also see the direction. He prayed to the God of Israel. We've already talked about that. We need to realize that when we pray, we're praying to a holy God. And a holy God is not going to allow just anything come in. He's not going to allow an attitude to where, okay, I'm going to go ahead and pray, kind of get this thing over with so I can move on. We need to realize that when we're praying, we we are coming into a presence of a holy, just, righteous Amen. God. But then, I want you very quickly to look at a powerful purpose. Notice, he says, Lord, I want you to enlarge my coast. Some translations say uh, borders, uh, territory. What he's alluding to here is for material things. He's wanting his, uh, he's asking the Lord, Lord, I just want you to give me bigger and better. Now, we say, well, uh, is it okay to ask for material things? It's okay to ask for your needs. But here's where we need to understand and where the health and wealth crew has misinterpreted what this means. See, the health and wealth, name it and claim it crowd says, whatever you desire, you just throw it out there. He'll, he's a good God. He'll give you what you want. That is not how the Bible reads. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he was asked, teach us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 3, he, he gives us the principle. He gives us the catalyst for our praying. He says... This is how you need to pray. Seek ye first the kingdom and righteousness of God. I'm telling you, when you go with that attitude, when you go with that understanding that you're seeking first the kingdom, uh, uh, and when you're seeking the kingdom, you're seeking God's will. 
And when you're praying, you're praying, Lord, what is your will on this matter? Lord, what do you you want me to do? Lord, what is your plan for me? Lord, what is your direction that you want me to take? I'm telling you, it will radically change your prayer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because here's what will happen. All these things will be added unto you. Now, what all things is he talking about? You go ahead in the the beginning of of chapter 6 of Matthew where he was prayed about forgiveness of our sins and talks about our daily bread and talks about things that that we're needing. He, He says when you have the motivation and when you have the mindset that when I'm praying, I'm seeking him first on the matter, the Bible says everything else that you need will be added into you. It's not naming and claiming See, here's our problem. And we have a problem in our society is that we're thinking that God owes us something. We really do. Listen to the way we pray. God, I think this is what we need to do. God, would you do this? God, would you do that? God, never have sought God's will in the matter at all. We're thinking because we're entitled some things. I'm telling you, the Bible is quite clear. The only thing we're entitled to is death and hell if we do not know Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, we ought to be some grateful people and we ought to understand it's the grace of God that saved my soul. It wasn't because I deserved something. It wasn't because I was doing this. It wasn't because I was this person. It's all because of the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and He doesn't owe me anything but I owe Him everything. How arrogant we are sometimes to think that God just give it to me. I don't know about you, but there's some things I prayed for I'm glad he didn't give. Because I look back over and I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I didn't get what you, uh, I prayed for. So here we see, he says uh, that we are uh, to ask for and enlarge. Now, why are we asking for him to enlarge it? Because we can use it for the kingdom's business. Church, I don't know about you, but I'm asking God for this year to give us bigger crowds. I'm asking God this year to give us more in our Sunday school. Now, the reason why we're asking is not so we can go right to the associational meeting and go around and be arrogant and say, hey, I just want to let you boys know we had 1,500 this Sunday, what you had. And by the way, I've been in the pastor's conference. I know how preachers operate. They already knew how much you ran that Sunday, and that's the reason why they're crowing a little bit because they had a bigger crowd than you had. I'm just being honest with you. We, we're, we, got, we, we know, uh, I'm looking at associational reports and I know those numbers aren't right. Why do we do that? Not to give glory to Him, to puff us up, make us look good. And so here, we're asking Him to enlarge us. Why? Because we 
want to have an impact on more souls this year than we had last year. Not so we can go around and say, hey, look at us. We're leading the association in this just because we have seen someone who was bound for a devil's hell but got snatched up and now they're bound for glory. That should be our motivation. And we'll say it's not because of what we've done. It's because of what Jesus did and all glory and honor goes to him and nobody else. So not only he asked for enlarge, but notice also he said, not only do I want him to enlarge my temple, but he says, I want his hand with me. I want God's hand with me. I want God's hand on me. The psalmist said like this in Psalms 25, 5. Now this, uh, I got a little stirred up on this one. And the psalmist, he's praying this prayer and he says, Talking to the Lord, he says, lead me, Lord, into truth. Take my hand, Lord, and lead me to truth. I have grandchildren. And when we get out of the car and we're going to the store, I'll, whoever's with me, I'll name them. Well, I usually don't get their names right, I go through the roll call, just like y'all do with y'all's children. And I'll say, whatever your name is, just grab my hand. <laughs> They'll grab my hand. Now, sometimes they're just happy to have Papa's hand. And they're skiffing, and they're just happy. And there's sometimes when they don't want to go. And you're dragging them across the pavement. They got burns on their knees and, you know, they're crying. Papa, I don't want to go. I said, you're going. Come on. And, and we, I started thinking about that. That's how we do our praying sometimes. We're asking, Lord, Lord, would you lead me as long as you're taking me to where I want to go? But, Lord, I don't want to go in this direction. But Lord, I, I've never been this way before. I don't like it. Am I telling you the truth? He, he says, lead me and teach me into truth. See, here's where our problem is. The title of this, uh, this message is your comfort zone. Spiritually speaking, we're in our comfort zone. You, you all, we all have a comfort zone. There are some people that you are okay. You're pretty cool with. Why? Because you're comfortable with them. You, maybe you go a, a different route to work and somebody will say, well, I know a shortcut and says, well, I don't like to go. Why? Because you've gotten comfortable. Church, could it be that we are afraid to be really honest with God and pray, Lord, take my hand, lead us to where you have us to go because we're afraid that he's going to take us out of our comfort zone. We haven't done anything like that. Haven't been like, I've never done anything like that, Lord. So the next question is, don't you think God knows what he's doing? I mean, Really? So, so he, the, the psalmist says, lead me. Now, watch this. And he says, I will wait all day. He mentions that he's the God of my salvation. 
And then he says, as he reminds himself that he is the God of his salvation, he says this. He says, and I will wait all day. Here's what really gets us out of our comfort zone. We're okay when God says yes to our prayers. And we're okay for the most part when he says no. But where we have problems with is when he says wait. This year we might have a number of our prayers where the answer, wait. Wait. We have a problem with that. I've seen some of you at Walmart. And I dare say that when you go into the Walmart and you get greeted by, well, they really don't greet you. They just kind of look at you and, you know, you go on. Some of them do. But you go, I, I just got a sneaky suspicion that you don't say, okay, Lord, when I'm ready to check out, make sure I get in the longest line. No, we're looking for the shortest line, aren't we? And we're looking for the express line. 20 items or less. And so we get in that line and we're starting to count the buggies in front of us. I've seen some of you. They got 21. I need a manager. Or you'll say out loud, can't people read 20 items or less? They had 21 items. We don't like that. Why? Because it causes us, we're going to have to wait. We really have a problem of waiting. I can understand that. But I'm telling you, my dear friend, when God says wait, you best go ahead and say, I'm going to wait. Here's it. God is orchestrating. Do we really believe that God's looking out for our best interests? Do we really believe that God wants to have his hand continue to be upon this place? And we'll say, well, yes, he does. Of course he does. Are we really God's people? Yes, we're God's people. Then why do we have such a problem when God says, wait, because I got to go ahead and I got to get everything like it's supposed to be. And if you'll just wait, I'll tell you, I'll promise you I'm going to bless you and I'll bless you like you never knew you could be blessed. But too many times we didn't wait on God. We're looking for a new pastor. I've already heard saying, hope we get one soon. I don't. I kind of like being up here. But I know this, if we have to wait two years, we best wait. God's in control of this. And we need to understand that when we're asking Him to have His hand, we're asking Him to lead us. But notice here, not only that, very quickly... He says, and I do not uh, uh, want to, uh, and he gets back to his namesake. He says, I do want not want pain. To, uh, deliver me or keep me from evil. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 13, Jesus again talking about saying when he was asked, teach us to pray. He says, this is how you ought to pray. Notice he says, uh, and pray this, lead us into not to temptation and deliver us from evil. 
What does he mean? He means is that when we are praying, we're asking God to keep us from evil. Now, what we're asking is, Lord, don't let, allow me to be put in a position where I'm going to sin. We don't pray that a lot. We don't think about it a lot. So he says, keep me from evil. He says, because I've come to understand that if I'm being kept from evil, I'm praying. I don't know, but here maybe we need to pray a prayer. Lord, help me from sinning. Lord, help me from sinning. Lord, I don't even want to go near it. Keep me from it. Why? Because if he finishes out that verse, he says, because thine is the power and the glory. Now here's what we need to understand tonight is that when we sin, when we sin, then we have turned off the power source. Because sin and holiness do not cohabitate. Okay? And so why are we needing from sinning? I don't want to sin. Lord, keep me from sinning. Why? Because I don't, want your, I don't want to do this without your power in my life. I don't want to do this on my own. Lord, I know that I'm nothing done. I know that I can't do it. And Lord, I need your hand upon me. Keep me from evil because I don't want to sin because I want your power because when I have your power, I'll see your glory. And I want to see your glory more than I ever wanted to see it before. I don't know about you many of you maybe have not been a part of it I know brother Glenn has where we saw the glory of God fall on a place and we couldn't explain what happened I want to see that again I want to see where we come out and we can't explain. We can't explain it because we had the right music. We can't explain it because we had the, the right sermon. We can't explain it. All we can say is God showed up and his glory fell on this place and we're never the same again. I want to see it again. I want to see it again. Keep me from evil. But then he says, uses that word, Grieve me not. Remember, Jabez, his name means pain. Now, he didn't want any pain. But here's what we need to pray. Lord, I don't want to cause any pain. See, we need to recognize when we sin, we're hurting somebody. There's no such thing as a victimless sin. David said it like this. David understood that he sinned against someone else. But ultimately, David realized, God, it's you that I sinned against. And this year of 2018, church, I want to pray a prayer not only individually, but corporately. Lord, we want, don't want to cause any more pain because you took all of our pain and you took our penalty. And Lord, you did not deserve the pain that I should experience, but you took my pain in my place. Don't you think the Lord Jesus has been hurt 
long enough? And could it be that we need to pray a prayer? Lord Jesus, I don't want to cause any more pain. I want to bring glory to your name. I want to be someone that when they say, do you know about Mike? I want to be able to say, they hear things like, he's brought joy into my life. I dare say that you would like for you, when someone mentions your name, that you'd hear them say, you know what? He brought encouragement to my life. Folk, there's enough pain already. Isn't it time that the people of God in the house of God will have the mindset and would pray the prayer, Lord, we don't want to cause any more pain. We want to bring life into a dark, dead world. And I want to let people see your glory through me. The prayer Jeb is. Now, I'm not saying we pray that word verbatim. Jesus in Matthew 6 didn't mean for them to pray this prayer verbatim, but he gave us a framework. The framework is a personal note. We see that there is a proper attitude. And lastly, there's a powerful, powerful purpose to my praying. To lift up the name of Jesus and let everyone know Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Thank God Almighty, He still saves.